Hello, everyone. We welcome you all to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. You all have such happy, beautiful, good morning voices. <laughs> it's nice to hear you all join us. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America, and we warmly welcome you all. We will start with our morning prayer. This is something Mrs. Eddy said. This is from page 30 of uh, Divinity Course in General Collectania, page 30 and 126. It says, the way I would teach a child to learn the Bible would be to teach her to love it. And then she would go to the Bible to read it for her own entertainment. I would also tell her the Bible in story fashion. It will stick to the memory in that way, and she will become interested to look it up for herself. I would preferably confine myself to the New Testament for a child, but the old is good too. Our cause is immortal. It rests on nothing temporal. It is the cause and effect of all that really exists. What more is left us to desire than its acknowledgement and the unfolding of God, infinite life, love. I rejoice that the young folks, yea, the children, are its supporters. Embrace it, love it, and will learn to live it. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. Watching point. Watching point number 339. Watch when you manifest a physical claim and cannot seem to uncover its origin, that you do not forget that it may be animal magnetism's subtle argument intended to disable you, so that you will cease to do the larger work for the world by giving you an unimportant problem to assess, to obsess you, that of maintaining your own bodily comfort. A student may be tempted to be over-concerned with his own material harmony so that he forgets or neglects to do the larger work for God. This includes many responsibilities, such as the peace and prosperity of nations the extension of the cause of Christian science, as well as the claims of food, sleep, and the like. An alert student will do daily work for the Bible and science and health to know that these books carry the healing power of mind. End quote. Thank you. <clears throat> Comments on that. I love this watch. I read it every day and would go think about all the things that we were supposed to be doing, especially the last part, the do daily work for the Bible and science and health. I was so grateful to have it this week. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I think the receptivity of science and health is needed much. Um, the Bible, as you say, the Bible is more readily accepted, but science and health cause all kinds of stuff against it. So 
I pray daily for the receptivity of science and health. It's wonderful. Thank you. We all should do that every day. Include it in your work. It'll help loose the bands, get it out there, and accept it. You know, I'm, I'm finding, as I've said, I listen in the afternoons just over and over. Read it, listen, take it in. Let it permeate your being, the truth. Even if you think you don't understand it at first, it'll it'll get there. It'll it'll click in. It will reach you. Just keep at it. It's It's the Word of God. She wrote down the Word of God as to how... Christ Jesus healed. I'm a good example of that because when I was 17, when I first read it, it was like so different. I was totally stymied by it. But then when you you know it's the truth, you just feel it. So you stick with now. I read a paragraph and I just want to read it over and over. Yes. Yeah. So it works. It does. And you don't need a lot, just one or two sentences. It's powerful. My teacher told me a long time ago, my Christian science teacher years ago, that she was up on a, I can't remember whether it was a small plane or a helicopter, but anyway, she was in something small so she could see the front of the plane. And she was, um, for a moment, she was sort of concentrating on the specks, on the glass, on the windshield. And then she looked out into infinity, out, out, her view just changed out to the beautiful sky and the clouds. And she thought to herself, when my view changes to the bigger picture, to the immensity of, of what's out in front of me, the specks disappear. And I just, I've always, I've never forgot, forgotten that, that when we're focused more on God and his allness and and his love for mankind and our cause, the specks disappear, our little problems um, just uh, are, they just sort of melt away or they're not, they're not in thought. So that's definitely better for our well-being than focusing on, so I've, I've never forgotten that, that little thing she said. Thank you, that's a beautiful way to put it. And again, it all goes back to motive because as Jesus promised in Matthew, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. If you are studying the book to hunger and thirst after righteousness, not for a selfish purpose, but after righteousness, you will get it. Thank you. I was just thinking of a recent um, experience with great gratitude to those who write the Bible lesson. When the, a few weeks ago, the lesson was on open their eyes. Uh, it was included. And I remembered then something I forgot about to a friend of mine who uh, prayed. She was trying to tell me for a couple of years about science, and it was like airplane jokes over my head. But finally, she prayed earnestly, opened her eyes, and very shortly thereafter, I came into science. So, inspired by that Bible lesson, I prayed, too, about uh, a family situation where I had been told if I, um, I must um, not ever tell the children in that family about science, or I would not be allowed to see the children again. 
And um, so inspired by that lesson, I prayed with all my heart, open their eyes, open my eyes. And then to see that all eyes are open and that all, capital A, capital L, capital L, all is the sphere. And then the next lesson has come along this week with uh, Teach the Children. And so I just yearned and I thought, I, I'm, I have a, a right to, um, to this and they have a right to this. And you know what happened? Um, I didn't say anything other than the continued yearning and knowing. And uh, the mother in that situation approached, texted me and said, please give me a copy of Science and Health. So in God's own time, in God's own way, I'll let it open. And uh, she also um, happily accepted a copy of the Bible. That's just beautiful. Thank you, Patricia. Wow, it is wonderful. It's a lovely That'll testimony. Be, it is. You write that up for our magazine, and it, it's just beautiful. The power of the truth, just knowing that you don't even have to say it. Yes, and I just offered, too, if they, you know, she ever wants me to teach them Sunday school, I will, the children. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Thank you. Yes, this is how we pray. And that's a wonderful example of how it works. And yes, the watching point, when you get involved in your own problems, you are not obeying alertness to duty. You're being made to forget and neglect your duty to God, to your leader, and to mankind. That's what's happening. That's why they come. Air is having a heyday and laughing Mm -hmm. while you're all poofing around with your personal problems and uh, forgetting those duties. And they're their duties that we're, we are not to forget or neglect. So, thank you. This is Carpenter's uh, experience, isn't it, when he, he went to Pleasant View and he was afraid. <laughs> what would he do when he gets sick? That's right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. He learned to, that's when he, his thought went out to bless others. It, it's a, it's, one of the most magnificent keys to the scripture, keys to healing. We get so focused on our own lives and problems. As uh, Karen was saying, we miss the big picture, what's really going on. Don't let that happen. And then your problem grows. <laughs> your problem will grow as you focus on it. Miss mm-hmm. Eddie says the song of Christian Science is work, 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 watch and pray. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I am grateful for the work, too, because sometimes things will come up, and after, you know, I'll, I'll pray about it, but then I'll just say, I'll just, I'm just going to get back to work now. That's it. That's right. Yes, you keep focused on that. I wanted to share something with you before we get into the lesson. It was something that uh, Linda in North Carolina sent to me, and it deals with our Bible study yesterday, which was wonderful. If any of you missed it, it'll be posted soon, I guess. Um, It was about unity in the church, and she said, she wrote, many years ago at the end of a Christian science lecture on the topic of churches, prisons, and institutional work, a church member asked the lecturer, so how should we think about capital punishment? I will never forget the lecturer's quick response. He took exception to the question that we must think alike 
and cautioned us to pray as one mind. If each of us did that, he said, we would find unity. But if we continue to look to each other's human opinions for unification, we will never find it. That was wonderful. I love that. And that really, that is how we feel in this church. You know, you just, we could all have our different feelings and opinions <laughs> about various things. And no, we pray to the one mind and there we find our unity. It will be revealed the right thing. And the right thing is always in science. There's no other answer to anything else, including capital punishment. It's all got to be back in science. And what does God say? And God will lead you aright. He always does. So, and seeking consensus is not making a demonstration. No, it isn't. And I mean, I, I do, I'll get random calls about, well, what is your church's position on gay rights? Or what is your position on this or that? And I no, we, our position is a Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments. And what does God say? But we don't have positions. On human events. That yes, is. yeah. Human on human events. Right. 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 Thank you for that clarification. Right. That's for each one to individually work out and grow spiritually and you know. Mm-hmm. And and because we get we get what we need in life. You know, the experiences we have, what we choose, we learn from it. And we grow spiritually, hopefully, if we're willing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we, when we earnestly turn to God for the right answer for every situation, you know, the answer we get may be different than the answer someone else gets. But if, we're all, but if we are in unity going to God, the answers that we get are not going to conflict with one another. Thank you. And, you know, sometimes uh, people ask me questions, how I feel about certain things. I will say how I feel, but that's not necessarily how you feel. (laughs) And I I respect that in other people. You have a right to feel, have your own feelings and considerations. And how I feel is according to what I know and what I feel is right, but that doesn't necessarily have to be your view. And this is what country should be where we can talk to each other and not shut down each other. Go ahead, Florence. No, I just said, let God guide. Um, Mr. said he has in 127 of the Blue Book also, this is sent on receipt of copies of Science and Health and Unity of Good bound with the Bible. It says that what sweeter unity can there be for our model than Christianity and science? I regard the type sacredly and trust that our acquaintance will be built upon this rock. Hearts unite on some basis, and if the foundation of friendship is spiritual, it cannot cease. It must be perpetual. And then she writes, um, May the light that breaks upon the dawn of eternal day illumine your path, cheer, comfort, support you. This divine ray is never obscure in science. 
only the shadow of sense can cause temporary eclipse as we stand in our own light. So beautiful. Thank you. That's the right answer. Society always gives us the right answer <laughs> because it's from God. And I like that stand in our own light. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 Right, but it sounds like we get in the way for, for a moment there. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, we do. We stand in our own light. Yep. And block our own view then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our subject today is our sin, disease, and death real. And I, before we get into the actual lesson of it, uh, Florence sent me this beautiful testimony uh, called How I Was Healed, which I would like to talk about a little bit. It certainly goes along with this topic before we get into the actual lesson itself. And I will say thank you all for writing on the forum for things you sent. I'm very grateful. Not sure I'll get into all of it today, but I am grateful for it. Some of it I saved for another time. So do you want to start, um, Florence, since found this testimony? Oh, my goodness. Well, this man had pain for 35 years, and he had money so he could travel and uh, sort of take his thought off or take different uh, so-called uh, healing agents and so on. So he was, for all that time, he was just traveling and traveling and traveling. He would go and spend two years in India, go and spend so many years in Panama and, you know, all kinds of things. And when he came back, he always had this pain again. The pain never left. And he, there was a guy, um, or a practitioner, I think he was, in New York who had been healed of, of pain. And the man told him um, that he needs to know God aright. In other words, he needs to know that there is no pain. God never created it. And this man who had been traveling, traveling everywhere, he had to come to that himself in his own thinking to absolutely, he asked the, the gentleman, you mean to say when, when pain is really howling like crazy, I should still say, I don't know, there is no pain. He said, yes, you have to say that. You have to know that this is not true about you, about God. And he had to do that. And when he did that, he really, um, that's when everything started to change. And he lost all that pain and the chemicalization, he calls it, of it, all of it went. Once he accepted that there is no pain in, you know, in truth. Um, God doesn't have it. You don't have it. And he had to come to that himself in his own thinking. I hope I've summarized it right, but it's, a, it's quite a long uh, testimony, about six pages or so, but it's interesting the way he writes it. Mm -hmm. It is, and, and it's on the website now, right? No, no it'll oh, yeah. be this afternoon. Okay, thank you. And okay. also, the, uh, another important part about that, um, I, because I've been using this too, is that he was trying to heal doubt. He was trying, okay. that was his thing, to heal gout, to heal. He had this gout and he had to heal it. And he realized he had to stop trying to heal something. There's nothing to heal. He was already perfect. That's right. Thank you. 
matter, the sense of matter being real, uh, I think that's, well, underneath all that. And also when he was traveling, he realized that um, it took his mind off the pain. And Mm -hmm. then he'd go back home again and there would be the pain. Yeah. And the pain, the pain had gotten so great. I mean, he couldn't work or anything. It, it was, it was really it wasn't just some little thing. Um, yeah. And Carol, Carol, in her beautiful way, will edit it and put it in the Liberator because it's way too long. He goes into every little thing he does, which really isn't necessary exactly. We'll have the full thing on the website for anyone who wants to read it. But yeah, first his daughter, his daughter introduced him to the science. She prayed for him for a while. And then he had this another practitioner who said, um, you are adhering too closely to the letter. You must depend more on the spiritual. You must study the science of being. Think not of healing disease, but of healing sin. I caught his meaning on the instant. I found I had been working on the wrong, in the wrong direction by giving more thought to the physical than to the spiritual. Um, and the I, sin was in matter, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and it what the watching point said. I thought only of my recovery from pain and lameness, expecting to be healed instantaneously, and wondering all the while why I could not rise and walk perfectly healed. To my surprise, I found that the understanding of the letter was only the human aid to prepare me for the understanding of the spiritual, as it were, the stepping stone to spirituality, and that if I stopped at this point of progress, I would never be permanently healed. For the letter alone cannot heal. My eyes were opened. I realized that fear, sin, and mortal belief were at the bottom of the difficulty. Destroy sin, and I would be free from all disease. And then he asked, well, how do you do that? But one thing he he discovered, you know, you cannot be thinking two thoughts at once. So even (laughs) when you're having a um, pain thought, you you replace it with the truth of your being. Whatever the thought comes from signs and health through the Bible, I'm I'm painless being, I'm free now, I'm a beloved child of God. Someone gave a really good testimony not that long ago. I can't think of who it was, but it was just this. She realized she couldn't have the two thoughts at once. That's a testimony from England, I thought, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, I I think it was Izzy. Yep, I think so. Thank you. Yes. And she worked on that. And that's not easy when the pain is screaming at you. As the watching point said on Thursday, when air has howled and howled, it has done nothing. So you have to be diligent. This is what 390 to 393 is about. The more relentless the pain seems to be, the more you'd keep declaring the truth. And then also you focus off the pain. You focus on God. Even, for instance, those of you who have had children, (laughs) that you will be told, you know, when you're having what is it called, the birth pang, childbirth. childbirth, yeah, yeah, that you, you, you focus on your breathing, you look at some, you don't focus on, you don't think about the pain, you focus on something else. It's amazing how that can work. Yes. So, in doing that, there was great growth, and he, he examined his thought, he 
thought, do I envy any man? Yes. Do I love all men? A big no. <laughs> he goes, he summons his thought and cleans his thought up to get where he's thinking correctly about things. So, um, and yeah, mortal mind can only hold one thought at one time and at the same instant. Pain is only a belief. If one should deny the pain and the existence of pain in thought, there would be no pain during the instant of that thought. And remember, too, the story in Science and Health. Remember, there was a man who was in a lot of pain, but yet he had to get up and go on stage or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. actor. And he did that. He was in no pain. How many readers have been unable to talk? <laughs> They've had a horrible whatever. <laughs> and when the time comes to get up and do the reading, what happens, Carol? The voice is there. <laughs> the voice is there. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's a, something very powerful to work with. And, um, and then he does. He goes into talking about pleasure. And because they were saying, well, you've got to deny pleasure. And he says, well, why in the world would you want to deny pleasure? (laughs) (laughs) Some people are so guilty about having a good time. (laughs) I mean, we just go around, oh, my gosh, we got to be so dreary. And no, you don't have a good time. You don't. And he (laughs) really making people want because we're all a bunch of miserable mortals. (laughs) Big Nell Young says, if you're not having a good time, you're not practicing Christian science. And Mm -hmm. and Mrs. Eddy has said, if it if the pleasure does not take you from God, it's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I loved with Mrs. Evan, she was so real. She had a great sense of humor. She enjoyed life. She loved going to the movies. She loved people. She loved getting out. It wasn't this dreary, bleary thing going on. But it's the belief that there's pleasure in eating or pleasure in matter some other way that is what needs to be handled. And Mrs., you know, Mrs., Mrs. Eddie Wright says we should all achieve the bliss of loving unselfishly. What greater pleasure could there be than to love mankind unselfishly? And, and that is true too. Your your pleasure purifies, if you will. It, it it's not all this other uh, yes, lustful or things that are are not of God. And he talks about that. He says, I've always heretofore been a man of the world, ready to participate in every kind of seeming pleasure, good or bad. Since I've been in Christian science, I've not made the least sacrifice because wrong acts I formerly took pleasure in do not give me pleasure now. You see? They really drop off. They do. They do. They drop off. Without even working on it, as you rise higher, they drop off. And what you thought once was so much fun, you'll think, ooh, do I really want to do that? A lot of this pleasure-seeking stuff, you know, amusement parks or other things, I mean, it's never had much of an interest in for me. But even now, I mean, why would I want to do that? I'm so happy <laughs> with the work I have to do. I don't need pleasure-seeking activities. 
so much of that stuff seems designed to take your thought off of how empty your life is. Exactly. <laughs> when your life is full and rich with the things of God, you don't need it. It drops away. So he says, I have nothing to regret or sacrifice. Um, when truth is established, one, uh, one's ideas of worldly pleasure will unconsciously undergo a change. The pleasures and delights of this so-called life are only so many beliefs. In Christian science, these desires adjust themselves, and what may appear wrong and inconsistent to one may not to another. A true Christian science working out her or his own problem on the rock of truth will readily detect the difference between godly and ungodly pleasure. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll come about naturally as you grow in the science. So it's so refreshing how he puts all this. And he, he also says, in reply to your question about moving around and using your joints, at the expense of additional suffering, I beg to say that I never did that. I did, however, everything in my power to break up the law of inaction. But I never insisted on using my limbs or joints at the expense of additional suffering. And although I knew that the suffering was a simple mortal belief. In other words, again, you don't focus on the problem. I got to fix the problem. So I'm going to be marching around even though I don't feel like it. (laughs) But he handled this idea of inaction. And in doing that, he recovered the use of all his limbs without any pain. And he says not to over he says to avoid all conversation and argument with those who persistently oppose Christian science. But with those who are sincere and who express a desire to learn all about the new religion, converse freely. Be patient, sincere, earnest, and studious, looking on the good and bright side of everything, and never worry over disappointment or trouble. Read and study a portion of the Bible and science and health once every day. In the belief of pain or lameness, if the belief of pain or lameness enters your mind that very instant deny its existence and express in thought with persistency that's why the readings Wednesday were so good that matter of itself has no sensation at the end that divine mind is all that the human senses belong to mortal man and not to you for you are an immortal man and cannot really experience pain or disease Think of spirit, God, truth, love, life, soul, mind. And whilst God and his synonyms are held in thought, it is impossible for you to think of their opposites. And then declare that God is your life, that God is your health, and that God is your all. And then he says, I'm now over 70 years old and feel as young as a, and vigorous as when I was at 40 and can consider myself perfectly healed of my physical ail- ailments. It took him 35 years, but <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> yeah. He's able to help others. And he's able to help others, which is the big key, which was in the watching point, too. A lot of the experiences we go through is so that we can help others 
and bless others with what we have learned. But I thought that was just wonderful, wonderful, because I know so many of you, and I know myself included, we seem to struggle for so long and nothing seems to change. And this was so encouraging the way he did it and kept at it. Persistence. Persistence wins the crown. Persistence in the right thought. <laughs> in the right, yes. Not in the willful sense. And and don't let your thought get down, discouraged, angry, angry at God and all this kind of thing. That does not do you any good. Believe me, God has nothing to do with the problem. He's the answer to the problem. Never cause. That's a ploy of the devil. All right. it seems whatever, uh, whatever seems to take so long because it preoccupies our thoughts for so long. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It preoccupies our thought for so long. We're so obsessed with it. It becomes this obsession. It's all you think about. So we rise above it. It's not the truth. Yeah, it says that on the launching point, by giving you an unimportant problem to obsess you. Yes, and un- that's perfect. An unimportant, something unimportant. An important problem. <laughs> yes. All right. Now we will go to the lesson. And, Lil, you can read the golden text. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Isn't that wonderful? And I know many of you have done that. And you can declare this truth. And know it is true. It's a law. It's a principle. It's operating. And it cannot, it cannot be reversed. And we need to know, you know, we do a lot of work for our children. I brought a whole pile of watches that we have (laughs) that have been made for our children. Someone told me this week that, you know, well, it's working for children. Well, we're all children, and that's true. So we can apply this, yes, to so-called children, but we can apply it also to ourselves or to adults um, or anybody. It's all the truth. But we have needed, I was so grateful for this lesson this week, because our children have been under assault in so many ways. I mean, in the lesson, children should be taught the truth cure. Christian science among their first lessons and kept from discussing or entertaining theories or thoughts about sickness. And what are they getting right now? The name is nothing. Again, the exact opposite. Once you let them outside your house, so to that, the hell you say. (laughs) We're not going to have this, okay? We're not going to have this. Our children are blessed of the Father. And there can be no reversal to this good. And we will work with these wonderful watches and things that we have had. And dear Louise, you know, she she wrote on the forum many of our watches. She wrote she wrote up what what Florence read this morning in the prayer. 
the beautiful things Mrs. Eddy has said, besides um, what we read in Science and Health and or prose works. In June, Linda wrote on the forum, maybe I'll let you look at it. I'm sure you'll remember it. Oh, yes. The substance of a thought that seed or a flower is God, the creator of it. That was Mary Baker Eddy. And then that's that, I uh, believe, from the Blue Book. Mrs. Eddy wrote, you want me to read that quote? Because that's sure. a beautiful one. Yes. Okay, Mrs. Eddy wrote, and this is from the Blue Book, quote, to successfully treat children, cut off the parent thought. Man is the offspring of God, not of man. The material birth is but the false conception. Realize that matter cannot transmit good or evil. It is inert, unintelligent, and cannot be the medium of intelligence. Seedless oranges are produced by turning the top of the parent plant back to earth, and when rooted, disconnecting it. The offspring produces seedless oranges. Detach the thought of the child from the parent, and the germs of the erroneous seed of the parent thought will cease to impress the child, end quote. Thank you. Go ahead. You gave some definitions. Oh, yeah. I says the erroneous is uh, defined in 1828 as false, mistaken, not conformable to truth, erring from truth or justice, and impress, to imprint, to stamp, to make a mark, to fix deep. I thought that was interesting to fix deep, so we don't. So you're going to impress on the child, God, <laughs> not the parent thought. Yes, yes, and I remember Mrs. Evans talking about this one. For instance, if you had an adopted child and you didn't know who the parents were, you must handle the belief that somehow they inherit characteristics or whatever. They do not. You cut it off. And this is what's so wonderful about knowing that um, our ancestry is all from God. Only good, the pure, the good, and the beautiful are, is our ancestry. Let's do it for our kids and ourselves. And yeah. ourselves, absolutely. Yes. When we adopted Bryce, she told, uh, told me every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, which comes from the Father of Lights, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. And it has helped to separate him from his adopted parents. That you know that he was, you know, if God's light, He also shines light. Thank you. Beautiful. And we were also given Proverbs ten twenty two: the blessing of the Lord it maketh rich, and He addeth no sorrow with it. And this belief that children can grow up in science and then reject it. Yeah. it it must be handled now i know i mean to some extent when they've been trained in the false sense of science they have a, a right to rebel against it but i mean gary talks about it i remember too when i grew up i had wonderful sunday school teachers i remember what they taught me it was good and i'm sure that's true across our nation and world, there were good things that were taught in Sunday school. And and it stays within the child. It can't be lost. If, if it seems to be lost, it will come back. 
I I had seen an interview recently. This wasn't a Christian scientist. He was a Christian. He had been raised as a Christian, and he got very rebellious and left it for a time. But boy, when he came back, it was whoa. He really was into it, and and his prodigal son days taught him. Well, yeah, what my parents were saying that was actually right. <laughs> that was right. He comes back to himself. And as we know here, you can't give a child Christian science. Can you? No. No. They have to get it for themselves. You can certainly teach them the laws and principles. And as children, they will love it. But... um, they have to learn it, and sometimes they have to learn it through some rough times. And we should expect it and not be dismayed about it. I mean, when you when you realize, you know, what is our safety? Our safety is in knowing the truth. And you can't know the truth unless you've proven it to yourself. Now, Mrs. Eddie says that children are more tractable than adults, and they learn it more quickly. Well, that's their safety. They do learn it more quickly. But, you know, this is a science, and it's, it's like any other lesson you learn in school. You know, you read it, you, you, you have it taught to you, but then you have to solve the problems. <laughs> you have to take the tests. And, you know, children need to take tests as they grow up. And we should not discourage them them from taking tests that will prove the science to them yeah and and over protecting them over protection you know they've got to uh learn and and sometimes it takes some real bumps if you're always protecting them they're never going to learn and they they will get rebellious the bumps will get bigger the bumps will get bigger as a, and that was another thing Mrs. Evans taught us as a working science you scientists your children you can let them have the bumps but no ultimate huge harm will come to them um, because that's always the big fear but no they can get bumped around but <laughs> well, they'll be okay yeah and if they learn well from the small bumps they they to avoid the big ones <laughs> yes <laughs> yes well, sometimes big ones don't come up because you've handled them. Very true. Exactly. It's true for the big children as well. You can't brute force receptivity either, like Patricia was talking about. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's in science and health too. Sometimes when you speak things to them, this is true in any instance, you will get resistance. While if you're just knowing the truth, then they don't they can't resist you and some of the resistance is because you're treating them like they're ignoramuses <laughs> you know that they don't know and you got to tell them and you know and so of course they're going to resist that so just know that truth know it's operating don't doubt it right and and if your children have been taught some simple truths as a child that those truths will Take root and grow and blossom, no matter what. When this is where the persistence and not giving up, you don't give up on it. A mother's love, what? what, Can a mother leave her children? Never. Never. Constancy and purity. Yes. 
and give up. You'd never give up. It will come to fruition. So yes, and so th as I said, Louise did most of these things on the forum. Anyone we should, I, I think on the, I would like to see on the children's website, all these watches for the okay. children and all these wonderful quotes for the children. So the parents have it. There is another one from, of course, the blue book that I love, and it's just short and you can keep it with you and know it. I thank thee, dear father, that there is nothing between thee and this little child. Yeah. <laughs> and you see, you're thanking. This is the idea of thanking first, knowing this is the truth. It doesn't matter what it looks like. There's nothing between thee and this little child or this big child or this grown-up. <laughs> but I love this, this little child. <laughs> so we can, we can put these on um, and and work with them another one this is this was one from uh i think i think shardy found this from vigilance by herbert beck god's law of omnipotent good supports and protects all right action therefore god's children can never be separated from his law and receive all the good that god has to give now, that was a watch message on the children returning to school. They can never, it doesn't matter that they're being exposed to all this nameless nothing talk. They hear God's voice. I will hear no other voices. I will heed no other call. They come under his law. They can look and see, well, isn't this ridiculous? Some children are, you know, yes, why do I have to do these masks and all this stuff? Their pure thought will rebel against some of this. We can know they've got a direct connection with God and cannot be influenced erroneously. We can also know that, in, that we are all immune, immune to any suggestions of evil or error. All of us are. We don't need a vaccine. We are, we are immune. We are spiritual ideas. And therefore, nothing inharmonious can enter being because life is God. Mary Baker Eddy. So, let's see what else we have. There's so many beautiful watches. And this, I love this. Um, this is also, it's in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. It's in the Blue Book. And it's a watch we were given years ago. I still work with it. We were told to work with it daily for our children. And it begins, Children, you are a perfect thought of God made in his image and likeness. Surrounded by his love is by a strong fortress through which no evil can reach you. There we go again. Total protection from all these bombardments. God is your mind, your life, your strength. And you are governed by truth and love. It goes on, but it is a beautiful treatment. It's one paragraph. And any of you who have any children or nieces or nephews or grandchildren or anybody you're concerned about, or just generally the work for our children, you work with this. Know it to be true. This is part of a beautiful article that Carrie sent us about unacknowledged benefits. We are doing this work. 
and maybe our work will never be acknowledged. It was an article by William McKinsey. But it goes on, and it is powerful, just like Patricia's prayer. And she saw the results right away with that. We may never see the results of some of our work, but never, ever doubt that it is not having a huge influence and effect on anyone who is receptive at all. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. It goes, there's no end to its outreach. Again, that beautiful quote Parthens found last week. This is Eddie saying she was going to have to do this work for those receptive thoughts. Those were crying out for help and in need. And she heard them crying out. She did this work. It meets the need. It does. You have a page. Watch for his argument. For the last one? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I, I believe, if I remember right, it's 147, but this was from the Blue Book, and it's saying it's page 80. So the Blue Book, it's page 80. It's a wonderful watch. And then there was something, if I can find it now, that, oh, yeah, Louise, Louise wrote, I believe it was Louise, about um, Mrs. Eddie. Um Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now here is where we must be childlike in our receptivity. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We have to have that humility, that innocence, that love, that purity. And then this is Louise's forum. Upon rereading painting a poem, the dairy-like record of James F. Gilman's many interactions, visits, and communications with Mrs. Eddy throughout the entire process of creating the illustrations of Mrs. Eddy's poem, Christ and Christmas. Mr. Gilman comments several times about Mrs. Eddy's childlikeness. For example, her childlikeness expressed me the most. Then in the blue book, we read this from our beloved leader. As a child puts his hand in the hand of a parent, so have I put my hand in the hand of God, and he will never let me go. Page 196. What a glorious and life-saving thought to keep in mind each and every day. God will never let us go. Thank you to the Plainfield Lesson Writer for this beautiful lesson that addresses the childlike thought that is so integral integral to our growth and ability to demonstrate Christian science. And a, a week or two ago, it was Ingrid. She gave, she said it was one of her favorite quotes. I don't have it with me right now, but it was about, you know, what, what God loves most about us is our, our childlikeness. Do you remember that quote? It, you were, it was in your lesson. He loves, he loves our ability to, um, you know, to be, Childlike, your, pure, your purity. Pure. Yes, yes. Some of you will find it. Miscellany, Page two ten. You can find it. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, it's a beautiful quote. A what to preserve in us? To preserve that in us, and that's why to go out and have a good time and have fun. Do you ever see children morose? No. <laughs> it's no. amazing. You take very a rare. 
very rare. Mm-hmm. Oh. You take them and you have a great time. <laughs> Hide and seek. They're rolling in the leaves. <laughs> They're jumping in the pool. Let's all be a little more like that. This is a different one. This is just about keeping your thoughts pure. Okay, well, anyway, my goodness, the time is over, and there was just this, this was so rich with so many wonderful things, and I could read it over and over and over. And we will end, though. Now, this is from um, Miscellaneous Writings. I've often given it out to people. It's an article called I've Got Cold. Um, Carrie also found it. It's in the 1884 December issue of the Christian Science Journal. We'll just read a few paragraphs on that. And this is I've Got Cold by Mary Baker Eddy. Out upon the sidewalk this morning, I observed a carriage drawn upon before a stately mansion, a portly gentleman alight and turning, take from the carriage the ominous hand truck. Trunk. Ah, thought I, somebody has got to take it, and what will the portion be? Just then, a sweet, tiny face appeared in the vestibule. Red nose, suffused eyes, and tired look told the story. When she looked quaintly up and said, I've got cold, doctor. Her apparent pride to share in a popular influenza was comical. But her dividend with other stockholders of the household was new, while their familiarity with the stock had no doubt made them less exuberant. What if that sweet child, so brave and prompt to say, I've got something I ought not to have, and which Mama says I must get rid of, had been taught the value of saying more bravely, I've not got cold. Why the doctor's squills and bills might have been saved, and the little one been bounding through the cold air with sparkling eyes and ruby cheeks, painted and fattened by metaphysical hygiene. Parents and doctors, do not imprison the little ones and take the fresh, the sweet freshness out of their lives by the grave digging vernacular, you will get cold. Death does not dignify life. Liberty and joy are the promoters of happiness and health. And the education of all should contribute to moral and physical freedom. If cold could get into the body without the consent of mind, nature could take it out so gent- as gently, or let it remain in as harmlessly as she takes the frost out of an egg or lets it remain in the ice cream to the satisfaction of all. I love that. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.